hello again. I have the, uh, the unique opportunity to introduce to you um, the speaker today who's going to be sharing with you as we wrap up our Generous Life uh, message series. And over the last few weeks, we've been talking about how God wants us to become generous people as individuals, and then also how he wants us to become a generous church. And Pastor Randy Lanthrop is going to be speaking on how to gain freedom in the middle of that with maybe some of the challenges that we face. And so I'm looking forward to hearing from him. But I want to give you just a little background of Randy and his kind of role in our church. And so uh, my wife and I, Samantha, when we were in college, we got involved in Church in the Valley. And Church in the Valley is the church that Randy started with his wife, Cindy, in 1987. And they landed in Southern California to really try to help people come to know Jesus Christ and then to train up leaders. And in December, or in the fall of 2001, I got involved in Church in the Valley, and Randy uh, told me, you know, if I stuck around, that he would take the time uh, to invest in my life. And that was 18 years ago. And over those 18 years, uh, Randy and his wife, Cindy, have really poured into uh, me and my wife, Samantha, and many people here that are part of Ridgeview. Uh, They've really sacrificed many years to help people come to know Christ, and then also to help people grow in their relationship with God. And so, uh, Randy's here. You're going to hear from him. And then Cindy, if you could raise your hand. She's right there. She's not going to raise it that loud, but she's right there in the, in the middle. And I encourage you after the service that you get a chance uh, to meet them. Uh, church in the Valley is our sending church. They've poured people into our church. They've poured resources and money into our church. And they have really done so much to help us make this church uh, what it is. And so as I invite Randy up, let's give him a hand. Thanks. I don't get that at home. Yeah, <laughs> appreciate that. Um, I was thinking on the way over here uh, about just being here today, and what a privilege to be a part of what God's doing here uh, at Ridgeview, and then just to be a part of what God's doing overall. Um, the way it works is church gets started because God lays it on someone's heart to start it, and we put a team together, sent the team over here, but we to to make it go, there needs to be another round of folks who pitch in, who get a vision for what's going on. And so, if if you're a part of Ridgeview and you're pitching in and committed to what's going on here, I I really am am grateful for that. I think that's. That's such an important investment in what really matters in the world, if you think about it. What, what really goes on is not, doesn't show up on the news, what really counts in life. Uh, it, it shows up in places like this where pe- people gather to help people understand who Jesus is and more about him. Um, the pastor here, Alex, is... A fantastic guy, and I think you if you've been around a while, you know that he has a heart for God. I'm a crier, so <laughs> that's what happens. He has a heart for God, he has a heart for people, and that just shows up as he as he does life and so uh, if you're new here and you're trying to figure out whether this place makes sense, I'd encourage you to Keep checking it out at your own pace and moving forward. 
uh, you'll find that what's going on here is, is real uh, before God and uh, for the people who are involved. I'd like to take a little time just to introduce myself. Um, my drive over here was 17 minutes. That's all it took from our house. We moved to Ontario in, uh, well, I don't know when we moved to Ontario, a year and a half ago, we'll say that. Um, we, my wife Cindy and I, we live in Ontario. We've been married for 40 years. Our anniversary was uh, June 23rd of this year. And <laughs> that applause goes to Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> because she has uh, hung in there with me. We'll, we'll say that. Um, here's a pic of a happy day for us dancing at our daughter's wedding in 2017. We have two children, a son, Thad, who's on my staff at Church in the Valley. He's married uh, to, to Gina. He's 34. Um, Thad worked in business for five years. And after college, uh, he, he worked there in business, and then now he's in full-time ministry on our staff at Church in the Valley. He's the executive pastor. Um, I paid for his business degree, and it turns out it, it was a really good decision because <laughs> he's really helping. Um, the T-Lanthrops, as I call them, they have four kids. Blake, Jeremy, Ellie, and JB, our daughter Lindsay, she was married in 2017. Her husband Luke uh, works for Bell Helicopter in Fort Worth, Texas, and Lindsay and Luke had their first baby in March. Zachary Randall Myers, or as I like to call him, Z Randall. <laughs> Luke told me I could, I could do that, um, but I don't call him that. I call him Zach, to be honest. Um, and, by the way, this says, I packed a shoebox. But I scratched it out and said, my wife packed a shoebox. Because <laughs> I didn't actually do it. So, in, in the interest of full disclosure, um, here, here's a pic of our grandkids all together. And this is just not very long ago, but it's out of date already because kids grow up so fast. Um, I grew up in Southgate, California which is about eight and a half miles from downtown L.A. If you don't know where it is, it's in southeast L.A. And uh, I went to L.A. City Schools through ninth grade, uh, which if you get to know me, could explain something about me. But it was like a, an asphalt jungle that I grew up in. I didn't realize that schools had grass until I came to the suburbs out here. So that's the way it is. Um, I was a baby in my family by 12 years, which also explains a tremendous amount about me. Um, I was spoiled rotten by my mom, my sister who was 12 years older than I was, and my brother who took care of me. He, he didn't really spoil me, but he tried to look out for me and take care of me as I was growing up. I joined the world of employment um, when I was a sophomore in high school, I'd had a paper out, but I didn't take that very seriously. I guess it doesn't really count. But uh, I worked as a messenger for a local newspaper, and that means you just took the tear sheets. They'd tear the, the ads out of uh, the paper, and you'd distribute them to the people who took out the ads. 
And so I did that. Uh, th- that was my mom's job during uh, the summer breaks. I did that while, while she did it during the year. Um, what's interesting is the dynamic in my family since I was a spoiled, rotten kid meant that I didn't appreciate the value of the money that I earned. It might as well have been monopoly money. The problem is I took that monopoly money approach to, in, into marriage, and I was still a spoiled, rotten guy when I got married. Uh, when I was able to get credit, I would buy stuff, thinking that somehow I'd be able to pay it off in the future, but no real plan for doing that. I just wanted the stuff. I was used to getting what I wanted, and I did. I was playing Monopoly. That's what I was doing with money. It turns out my native instincts are a lot like uh, the rest of our country. Um, U.S. consumer debt is at a meteoric high of $14 trillion dollars. Around 2008, it was $2.5 trillion, which was 82% above what it was in 2000. So debt is just going through the roof. Our current condition is a debt crisis where Americans are drowning in debt. Here are some stats a little closer to home. Here's the average debt of Californians. Uh, average mortgage debt $335,000, surpassing every other state in the country. I, this is probably depressing, isn't it, just to think about this? But I'm just painting the picture of where we're all at, probably, or where we can be. Um, the national average is 193000 uh, of mortgage debt. Credit card balances average 10000 Student loan balance, the average is 29000 Auto loan balance, the average is 18000 Those are the four, or those are four main categories of personal debt. As a Californian, you may far, fall, uh, fall somewhere above or below those statistics. You may feel the weight of debt right now, or maybe you felt it in the past. It's, it's weighing on you. And as I talk about debt, you may literally be feeling your blood pressure rise. In marriage, if spouses aren't on the same page with their money, it creates enormous amounts of tension and frustration. It's one of the leading causes of divorce as people work through these issues. Here's a movie scene that shows a predicament you may have experienced if you've been buried in debt. Green scarf, please. Good choice. It's the last one. That'll be $120. How would you like to pay? Here's $50 in cash. Can you put 30 on this card? $10 on that. $20 on that. So cute. Declined. Really? Could you just, could you try it again? Really declined. Okay, could you just put this to one I side? I can't hold sale items. That is a bummer. <laughs> it is so embarrassing to have your credit card decline. You can feel the stress, though, and the added 
trouble of juggling the cards. Debt leads to anxiety and fear about the future. You, you know that the piper has to be paid at some point in the future, even though this debt is stacking up. On the other hand, since you can't see your debt sitting in a pile in the corner of the house, you could just try to ignore it and hope it goes away. If you're buried under a pile of debt, this is a really heavy topic. When you look at the Bible, you find a lot of hope. What you find in Scripture is that debt isn't forbidden, but you need to use it wisely as you walk through life. The Bible makes it clear that debt has to be handled cautiously. In this message, what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk through various passages uh, in the Scripture that give a broader understanding of God's view of debt. Many of the passages have come from the book of Proverbs, which is known as a wisdom book because it contains... Um, short, pithy sayings that show us how to live wisely and how to use our resources in a way that pleases God and really blesses us. And finances are a matter of wisdom, which means they're not very forgiving. There's a bottom line, and you do the math, and there's... Very little forgiveness. Uh, Proverbs 8.17 says, uh, it's, uh, in, in Proverbs, the first part of Proverbs, wisdom is personified as a woman. And Proverbs 8.17 says, I love those who love me. God is gracious, wisdom is not. Finances are a matter of wisdom. And so wisdom is not that gracious. Although God will help you, he'll take you wherever you are right now. And if you turn to him and trust him, he will help you out of the situations that you're facing over time. He, he is very gracious, but debt, not so much. Not very gracious. Uh, we'll also look at some passages from the New Testament, which were written by uh, the early followers of Christ. So overall, what you find in Scripture is that it warns of the dangers of debt. First, it makes us a slave. Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is the slave to the lender. The more debt we accumulate, the more chained we are to the lender, <clears throat> to the bills that we must pay. Another danger is that debt limits our freedom to love people. Romans 13.8 says, Owe nothing to no one, owe no one anything except to love each other, for the, lo- the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. This is what God wants us to do. He wants us to love each other. And if we're in debt, we aren't free to help others out financially as needs arise, as they pop up, because a portion of our income is already committed to the debt, so we're not as free. Debt's in the way of our generosity. That's why we're talking about debt today. This, in this series on generosity, um, debt is a real issue because it blocks 
our ability to, to love people, to be generous. A final danger is that debt presumes on our future. James 4, 13 through 15 says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town, spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist, a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. Debt presumes that you're going to keep rolling along without any trouble. It, it presumes that you're going to stay on the track you're on. God may put it on your heart to do something in ministry, maybe to go on a mission trip or to serve someone somehow, and it requires some finances, and you, you, you're, you're limited. You can't, you can't do that because you've, you're presuming on the future. You can't because of the debt. If you find yourself in debt, I want to encourage you, instead of getting into despair, instead of wasting the energy to beat yourself up about the debt you're in, realize that God is gracious, and he has given us real guidance in the Scripture for pulling out of it. He knows the condition of your heart. He knows how easy it is to fall into patterns that create and build the pile of debt that we're in. This, this is the way it is. Put all your energy into the solution. That's what, that's what God in Jesus allows us to do. We can, we can turn to God and ask for help. And as we do that, he, he gives us the ability, the power to put the past behind us because he's forgiven all that we've done in the past to dig the hole for ourselves, our sin and our lack of wisdom, our folly as well. Here are some major principles that show how to be financially free, and I'm just going to walk through these really quick. If you're buried in debt, God's word says get out of it as quickly as you can. That's one of the, well, if you, if you work on getting out of debt, maintain the right priorities, God promises to help you work your way out. It uses a word picture that's captured in this video. Watch this with me. That's a commercial for quality meats, by the way. I don't know quite. They're saying that man is the biggest carnivore. <laughs> but it's a great picture of this verse. Give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. If you find yourself in debt, save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Here are four things that you can do to save yourself uh, from the snare of debt. First, be rich toward God. 
Jesus told a story about the need to be rich toward God. Alex talked about this one of the weeks of this series. Jesus' point in that story is a warning. It's a warning against getting all wrapped up in life and stuff and money and ignoring what really matters. Real wealth grows out of being rich toward God and investing in eternal things. The Bible says that God is eternal. His word is eternal. His kingdom is eternal. The church is the way he builds his kingdom. That's why it's such a great thing to be involved in working together to build this church. His church and people are eternal. They'll last forever. We will move on through eternity in life. And real life grows out of being rich toward God by investing in eternal things. The Bible says that, uh, actually, Jesus said that we can lay up treasure in heaven if we invest our time and money in eternal things. If you get to know God by obeying him, you soak up his word, the Bible, and you do it, it's a way to invest eternity. Working to advance his kingdom through the church here, giving a priority to the people around you, choosing to treat them right, and serving them to look out to their interests. These are eternal investments we can make right now. If we give our time and money to these things, then Jesus promises to lay up treasure in heaven for us. It's an amazing privilege we have. The challenge is to stay focused on the eternal when the lure of the temporary is right there. It's pulling on our hearts. The stuff of this world is so attractive. To live for eternity, we must keep in mind that we've been forgiven a major debt. If you've decided to turn around from going your own way, the Bible says that all of us are, have We start out by going our own way, trying to live life independent of God. And that's what the Bible calls sin. But if you've turned around and decided to go God's way, which is what repentance actually means, it it means you do a 180. And you turn around from going your own way and you go God's way. And if you've done that, you've been forgiven a major debt that our sin has piled up that comes between ourselves and God. And we must keep this in mind if we're going to deal with the lure of the temporary stuff of this world. To live for eternity, we have to keep that in mind. We must not forget what God's done. To appreciate the gift of God's forgiveness, however, we must see our need for it Clearly, we have to see it, we have to experience it, we have to feel it. This is the work that the Holy Spirit does in our heart. Jesus said that he would send after he uh, left this earth, went to heaven to reign from there. Um, he would send a Holy Spirit, and what the Holy Spirit would do is he would convict us of our sins. This is, this is how God makes it clear to us our debt. 
And until the Holy Spirit convicts us, we don't really appreciate what Jesus has done. I grew up in church, and um, there was one point when I, I, I was younger, but there was a point, you know, I knew all the Bible stories. I knew all the stuff about, I knew a lot about God. I had a lot of knowledge. But man, there was one day when I knew that I was desperately a sinner who needed forgiveness from God. It's like, it just struck me. And I knew I needed to turn to God. I wrestled with that. I didn't want, I didn't want the embarrassment. I, in, in the church I was, where I grew up, there were pews, and you walked down the aisle to tell people you wanted to follow Christ. I was like, I'm an introvert. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to bear my soul to everybody. And I'm holding on to the pew. But I know I got to do this because God has made it clear to me that I need his forgiveness and I should not be embarrassed of him. And so I, I gave my life to Christ. And at that point, the debt was forgiven. The pile of sin that came between God and myself was erased. And I, I have to keep appropriating that. I have to keep applying that payment. But here's a description of the debt Jesus forgave those who accept his payment. Colossians 2, 13 and 14. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Realizing the debt that Jesus paid for us gives us the motivation to be rich toward God and invest in eternal things and set aside the temporary things. All of this flows from gratitude. That's where the power comes to, to pull back from the lure of the temporary. A second important way to get free or to stay free from debt is to be content. Contentment is a choice. It's, it's learned, not earned. Uh, for a time, my brother-in-law worked with people who were in debt, trying to help them learn the principles in God's word and uh, just the basic principles for getting out of debt. And he was trying to help somebody, a friend of his, who made $100,000 a month and was buried in, the, in debt to the point where he couldn't pay his bills. He had four or five houses, couldn't pay the mortgages. Now, I'm thinking, 100000 a month, I could cover my stuff on that. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. I, I, I could do that. But only if I limited my spending. So I need to be content if I'm going to do that. Kanye West is in the news a lot right now. He's just committed his life to follow Christ, and I hope he continues. But 
He made 115 million in 2018. He's 35. He was 35 million dollars in debt. This money only helps us get out of debt if we continue to limit our spending so that it's less. And we need to be content to do that, but it's hard. Ecclesiastes 6.9 says, enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless, like chasing the wind. This is hard because we get a lot of help with discontent. Companies spend billions of dollars trying to make us want what they have to sell. Here's just a few ads that popped up on my social media uh, feed the other day when I was getting ready for this message. Um, Here's a men's clothing ad. Now, we all need clothes, uh, but at times I I really feel like I got to have a certain piece of clothing. You know, like, I really need a jacket or I need this. I've been looking at outdoor solar lighting, so this showed up. Uh, Here's an ad for a hearing aid. I must have Googled hearing aid. <laughs> uh, my, my niece is a PA, and she was telling me about these hearing aids because I'm going deaf. <laughs> and so I Googled hearing aid, and then it shows up. They start showing up. And I'm a sucker for thin wallets that fit in your front pocket, so this one showed up. These things may not tempt you. You may not have a problem with those exact items, But it's very likely that something is pulling on you right now. You may have the fever for something. That's what I call it. It's interesting. The word desire in Ecclesiastes 6.9 can be translated appetite. Food, our our habits with eating, we have an appetite for food, which we, we need food. But appetites aren't satisfied. They, they just, you just have to keep trimming them back. You have to keep saying no to appetites. And that's how it is with stuff. Our desire for stuff, there, it's an appetite. We have to keep it in check or it hurts us. That's how it is with food. That's how it is with money and our appetite for things. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. If you have a personal friendship with God, you have all you need. You can learn to be content. He'll help you with it if you'll turn to him and trust him. A third key to gaining freedom is spend less in your income. Now, that's Captain Obvious. Hello. <laughs> To get free or stay free from debt, it's pretty simple math. Your outgo must be less than your intake. To pull that off, you have to know exactly what's coming in. You need to aggressively limit your spending to reduce your budget. You must track your income and outgo with a budget. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance but everyone who is hasty only comes to poverty. As I said, debt's not forbidden in Scripture, but it, 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 it needs to be used wisely. We must ruthlessly evaluate our wants versus our needs. And if you have trouble with credit cards, 
may be that you need to stop using them for a while and go on an all-cash basis to dig out of the hole. The final thing to gain freedom from debt, and I'll wrap up with this, is to give to God first. Now, this is entirely counterintuitive. It's totally against my nature to give to God first. But here's what Proverbs says, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Your level of generosity is a spiritual matter. We don't put it in that category very often. It's, as, it's a spiritual matter as much as going to church or reading your Bible or serving others. God is generous, and if you follow Christ, what he's going to do is he's going to grow your generosity because that's how he defines maturity. He, he, he wants us to become more and more like him, and he works so that we become more like him. Your level of generosity is a major gauge of your heart. That's what Jesus said. Watch what this passage says, or look at this. This passage tells us to give the first fruits of all our produce. If you have the faith to give first, right when you're paid, God promises to give you more than you need. The Lord doesn't want you to give him your leftovers. And this is how you find out God is real. You give to him first, limit your spending, and watch him work to provide over and above. This is the way he works. It's a scary thing to do because it's a big risk to give off the top. But if you shrink back from the risk, then you never find out what God can do. And you don't know how real he is. Our finances are a dynamic part of our faith, our walk with God. God responds to our faith or lack of it. If you choose faith and you give off the top, he will help you crawl out of the hole you've dug if you're in debt. And he will bless you to meet your needs and beyond. If you're buried in debt, it's, it's tempting to hold off on giving until you get free. But if you hold off, you'll miss the opportunity to bless the others as it comes by and to see God work on your behalf. God promises to work on your behalf when you give what he puts on your heart to give. Be as generous as God leads you to be if you're in debt and as you crawl out of debt and watch the Lord come through for you. He'll make himself real to you in this area, and he will provide over and above and beyond what you think and imagine. This series has been an overview of God's perspective on money and generosity. It certainly hasn't been comprehensive, but a summary of the highlights uh, from the Bible. And I've talked about debt today because debt often squelches generosity. Getting out of debt frees you to give more and more, which pleases God. As I wrap up the message this morning, I'd like to invite Pastor Alex back on stage. He's going to walk through 
some next steps with you that you could take in response to the message this morning. Thank you, Randy. Let's give him a hand for sharing with us today. Each week, we, we wrap up with next steps that you can take, and today is no different. And uh, here are some, some next steps that you can write on your connection card. And in the box, it says next steps. If there's one of these that you want to take, I encourage you to do that. The first is to memorize uh, Proverbs 22, 7. Uh, when you memorize scripture, it's your way of getting God's word into your life that you can recall it in the moment that you need to remember the truth. Uh, and so this scripture is really this idea of choices we make may seem like they're, they're just innocent choices, but we actually could be heading more into just being chained by those decisions. And so that's a scripture that you may want to memorize. You could write it on a three-by-five card or however you do that and just kind of look at it throughout uh, this week. And then the second next step is to take uh, one of the next steps that, that, that Randy laid out. Like this is how you become uh, that freedom, that the steps towards that freedom. And so it may be that you want to be rich towards God, uh, just in your perspective, thank him for the debt that he canceled of our sin through Jesus. Uh, to choose contentment, uh, practically that, that means just realize all that you have, that you've been given, and thank God for that. Uh, spend less, obviously that's going to show up not just in our ideas, but in our choices. And then uh, give uh, to God first. And so I want to just apply something uh, to that last next step. If that's where you find yourself, you can write these next steps on your connection card. But there's also this card that I introduced last week, and I want you to pull this out as well. So you should have your connection card. Fill that out. You can write the next step on there, your prayer requests like Joel shared, and then take out this card that says the generous life on it. And this is the challenge uh, that I think would be good for all of us to take. And so this is like an extension related to this overall series as we, we wrap it up. And the, the first next step you could see there is Choose one act of generosity daily through November, just in your time, uh, with your resources, with the, the love that you have, with the grace that you've been given. Is there a way that you can extend that into the lives of people? Uh, the second is to become a regular giver uh, here at Ridgeview. If you've never given to this church, uh, God is, is working through the generosity of, of you guys. And so you may want to take that step to become a regular giver. And then the, the third is to take the tithe challenge. And I talked about this last week. Uh, giving a tithe is giving 10% of your income back to God. And when Randy mentioned giving to God first, that's one of those steps. And you, you may be at a point where you've never done that before. And so it may not be 10%, but you, you may need to choose a percentage. But if you're at this place where you know, I'm, I'm ready to take that step, it will be a step of faith. I, I encourage you to, to do that. And you could choose to do that for a month. You could choose to do that for two months or three months. And just ask God that as you take that step of faith that, that you'll really see him come through. And then the last is if you give a tithe, that you give beyond a tithe for, for a season. Just, again, see how God comes through as we take a practical step. And so you can fill this out. You'll notice that this card is anonymous, and you can keep it that way. But if you'd like to do this, uh, you can write your name on the back, and I would love to pray for you. Uh, this next week and in the coming weeks as you take uh, one of these steps. And so hopefully, with all that Randy's talked about in this series as we're wrapping up, hopefully there's at least one step that you can take. And so I encourage you uh, to do that. So I'm going to invite the band up. Uh, we're going to be receiving our offering in a moment. And uh, the band's going to play a little bit, and then we're going to sing a song back to God. And we'll receive our offering. You can drop your connection card in there. You can drop this next step card if you're choosing to do that as well.
So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to wrap up our service. And again, I encourage you uh, to meet Randy and Cindy if you've not had a chance yet. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the generosity that you have given us, not only just in creating us and breathing life into us, but in sending your son, Jesus, like Randy mentioned, who canceled the debt against us, who has wiped away our sin. And I pray for anyone here who's just weighed under the debt of decisions that they made, weighed under just the the weight of debt of guilt or shame, uh, that this morning, if they've never turned to you for help, if they've never looked to you to lead them, that they'll do that here and now. So God, I pray that you will soften their heart. And if there's anyone here that's struggling with with debt and just feeling chained and and just restricted, God, I, I pray that as they take a next step, that they will really see their faith grow. And we thank you, God, that you are the God that makes us free. You don't want any of us to be in bondage or slavery or to feel like we can't change, we can't move ahead. And so I pray right now, God, that you will give us your power in the person of Jesus Christ and that we can see victory in our lives. Thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for Randy and Cindy and their generosity. I pray a prayer blessing upon them as well. In the name of Jesus, amen.